Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My goal is maybe get into real estate also to help my friends do what I've been able to do. A lot of them are asking me about it and spend more time with my family. And hopefully grandkids. My daughter's married three years now, so maybe in the near future we'll have grandkids to take care of. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode 1309-1309. We're glad you could join us today. And who is us? It's plural because Adam is here with me. And as I mentioned on yesterday's episode, I found a couple of articles and I said to Adam, you know, we got to talk about these on the show. They're great. But you see the flaws here, and he picked up on it right away. He was kind enough to actually do the math, which uh, took a few minutes to kind of scribble this out on the back of a napkin, if you will. But it's going to show you how misleading any media can be if you don't really parse it, if you don't analyze it, and um, uh, really evaluate it with uh, some critical thinking skills. So we're going to talk about these two articles, okay? And, and they're the city's losing workers every day, and contrast that with the top 10 states where America's wealthiest millennials live, and do the comparison. We're going to adjust things for cost of living and such, and population, and so we'll do that. And we got a couple properties to talk to you about. One of them I think you'll really like, if you can get it. Okay, Adam, you ready to roll? Let's roll. Let's rock and or roll. So let's rock and roll. Okay. Just a couple days till profits in paradise. I've been stressing out here, Adam. <laughs> a lot to do, a lot to do, but it's going to be a great weekend. And uh, with that, uh, let's talk about these articles. The city's losing people. Now, this is no surprise. This is the Drudge Report article that we mentioned. The usual suspects, but there are some surprising uh, cities losing people, right? Yeah. I was actually surprised, not just in terms of what cities are losing people, but how many people. Obviously, the big cities, you got your New York, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Bay Area, and Boston, but New York is losing 277 people every day. Are you really saying that people don't like super high cost of living, crowded environment, lots of rats? Well, not no, anymore. No greenery <laughs> and massively high taxes and loads of government intervention to go with it? They don't like that? Uh, apparently they're rebelling against it now. They didn't before, mm. but they're rebelling against it now. Yep. 
and you know they're losing 277 people a day LA's losing 201 a day Chicago is losing 161 a day I mean there's a they're big numbers but I don't think I personally don't think it's going to be as bad as this Drudge Report article makes it out to be but I guess it's always possible tell us why you say that so they interviewed 1500 Bay Area people and 44% said they're likely to move out of the area in the next few years and 6% said they have definite plans to leave within the next year. Of course, when we say Bay Area, we mean San Francisco, yeah. greater San Francisco. Yeah, got it. It's easy to say you want to leave. It's a lot harder to actually leave. You know, well, you... that's a good point. You know, I was like that in Orange County for years. My friends started thinking I was a talker and not a doer after a while because <laughs> I kept saying I was going to move, leave Orange County and, you know, get out of California. It took me a while. Yeah. <laughs> It and, took me a while. Yeah, and there was a Gallup poll that found that 80% of Americans live in urban areas, but only 12% said they want to live there. And when they were asked where they would live if they had their choice, the top response was a rural area. And let me tell you, as That's somebody awesome. who lives near and has family in rural areas, living in a rural area sounds great until you live in a rural area, <laughs> especially if you're from a big city. Yeah, yeah. It really is kind of overrated. Now, one one thing I want to say about that that's interesting, and, you know, when we talk about city or urban, and we talk about rural, you know, there are many degrees. There are, well, 50 shades of gray, right, uh, as to all of those, uh, to use a cliche. City, I mean, does that include, you know, when someone says that to me, I picture high-rise office towers and apartment towers, and I picture New York City or downtown LA. That's mm. kind of what comes to my mind. Downtown San Francisco could be another one. That's the city city. But I don't know, is Irvine, California a city? Um, well, I mean, a, a city in that respect, of course, it is an incorporated city. You know, it's it's suburbia, most people would say, but heck, uh, it's not very burbish in a lot of ways either. There are various degrees to that, right? right? But yeah. when you hear rural, you usually think you know cows <laughs> yeah cows yeah, right. and it's just you look at the cities they're coming from and i don't think a lot of these people when they were responding were thinking about what you have to give up when you move to rural areas like you're giving up your restaurants aren't going to be nearly as good or anywhere near you you're not going to have as much entertainment your internet's usually not as good your cell phone service is usually spotty at best so I mean, so you mean people aren't going to settle for mcdonald's applebee's and wendy's yep Right. Actually, okay. sometimes even uh, Wendy's is a little too fancy for these areas. <laughs> well, but but they always have an Applebee's or something like that. And I got to tell you, that food is just so boring. <laughs> and it's going to also require more companies to get on board. The If they don't want to leave the job market that they're in, it's going to require more companies to fully embrace remote working, which is happening a little bit. But some companies are willing to let you work outside the office, but not necessarily outside the office hundreds of miles away where you're never going to come in. You know, right. That still needs to be embraced more before I think a big shift can even possibly happen. And that trend was famously reversed several years ago 
when former Yahoo CEO Marissa Meyer came aboard and said, look, I want people to come into the office. We got to turn this company around now. She didn't accomplish her, her goal at all. She came in saying a lot of things and left not having done a lot of those things. Well, you know, hey, it's there's a lot of circumstances that are not, not necessarily within her control. I don't I don't know about her tenure that much. But she kind of wanted to reverse that remote working trend. And, you know, I could see her point. However, what's kind of interesting is I, I'd mentioned on a prior episode about John Nesbitt, and he is the author of all those megatrends books. And I really love futurist books and, you know, Faith Popcorn, John Nesbitt, Alvin Toffler, and there are others, of course. You know, and we've had many on the show over the years. John Nesbitt talked about that big technology. Remember, I told you it was just maybe a week ago. Federal Express, FedEx, <laughs> that would allow him to live in Telluride, a mountain resort town, while all of his coworkers or, or competitors had to you know, live in New York City and slug it out there. Uh, and it was a much better life that he had because of technology. And now, of course, the technology is electronic and, and digital and much better. But the interesting thing he pointed out is he said that the trend, the commute trend might reverse. See what you think about this. He said that people would live in the more rural environment where they wanted to live. And they would actually commute to the cities on the weekend and go and take advantage of the restaurants, the arts, the attractions of the city. He envisioned this reversal, whereas always throughout history, it's been people go into the city to work and then they leave and stay out in the more rural area at their home for the weekend. Mm -hmm. He predicted a reversal of that. I'm not sure it's happened, but interesting to think of what you know this guy said some 30 35 years ago and i think with the outflow of people from these you know highly cyclical markets i think it's going to be better served for real estate and hybrid markets i don't think you're going to see as many of them you'll see some of them but not as many of them flowing into our linear markets mm -hmm. but i think for those of you who were able to invest in like your austins or your you know atlantas or some of the markets that have become hybrid, mm -hmm. I think it could be really good for those markets just because a lot of people are willing to go from the attractions of New York and LA and come down to, you know, the hybrid levels, you know, not the huge, massive professional shows, but, you know, just your regional shows maybe, but they're not right. willing to ditch everything and go mm -hmm. to your way more rural areas. Yeah, yeah. So you've got kind of an in-between uh, yeah. there. Well, you know, speaking of that, why don't we uh, shift gears for a moment before we get to your stats and before we talk about this second article of where these wealthy millennials live. And let's talk about a couple of properties real quick. Okay. Uh, how's that sound? That sounds um, great. How about if I talk about mine first? I really think the listeners are going to like this one. Well, why don't we flip that and let me start real quick because I have a house in Memphis that is pretty good. It's pretty good. Right. All so right, right now, you go first. There's a three bed, one bath in Memphis available. It's $85,000. So if you put 25% down, that's just a little over $20,000. You're looking at $21,250. We have an interest rate of 4.75% figured in. But right now, who knows? You could get better if you have some good credit and possibly pay a point. The rent is just under our 1%, not quite getting 1% all the time, so we're looking at $825 for rent, a cash flow of $179 a month, 
and that is factoring in a vacancy rate of 8%, management fee of 8%, maintenance of 8%, and you're getting a cash-on-cash cash return that's uh, average or slightly above average of 8% and a total return of 32%. So Jason, can you beat that property? Well, you know, here's the thing. The performa's a little different, but I think I can beat it. I think I can beat it. Do you know what year that one was built? It was built in 1959. 1959, the Leave it to Beaver era. Okay. So this house, and I, by the way, I have to tell you, I posted this on Facebook and so far I've only received five likes and five comments, but I did receive property did get two shares. And here's the deal. This is in Indianapolis. It's an REO real estate owned by a bank. Okay. It was built in 2002 it's a four bedroom, two and a half bath. It's 2,424 square feet, 2,424. And um, it is priced, you ready folks? It's priced at $78,000. Remember, this is a 2002 house. It's pretty new and it's over 2,400 square feet. Now, the performa here is a little different than yours because it's based on 25% down. Yeah, so ours, that does ours skew. Ours is based on 25%. Oh, it is. Down. Okay, yeah. all right, okay. I, I was going to say, I thought yours was based on 20, and it's going to skew the numbers slightly. So this $78,000 house in Indianapolis, built in 2002, just over 2,400 square feet, priced at 78000 the projected rent is eleven ninety five. The price per square foot is only $32. I think the phones are ringing off the hook now at 1-800-HARTMAN. You can call 1-800-HARTMAN. That's our main number. And you can, I think, press two for an investment counselor, get a hold of any of our investment counselors, or just go to jasonhartman.com. So 32 bucks a square foot. And I know some of you are thinking, what's wrong with this deal, right? <laughs> I get it. Hang on. We're not done yet. Projected cash flow is $443 per month, 443 The debt coverage ratio, which is that ratio we don't talk about much, but that's really how likely is it that you would ever get into trouble with this property ratio? That's what I call it, okay? It's 2.5, 2.5. Meaning that you're going to make two and a half dollars for every dollar of debt, basically. So you're very unlikely to ever run into a problem with this, this property. The cap rate is 11.4% on the performa. The cash on cash return is projected at 14%. That's a little okay? higher than mine. Yeah. And um, everything else is, you know, probably got the same assumptions as yours. Actually, those assumptions are driven actually by a more conservative appreciation rate of only 4%, a vacancy rate of typical 8% one month per year, management fee of 8%, and a maintenance percentage of 4%, which is probably quite a bit higher than it really will be. On my Facebook post, I wrote in the comments, I just said, you can't beat my company's deals with a caveman's club. Yeah, I'm very good copywriter, aren't I? <laughs> Look at these projections, 11.4% cap rate, 14% cash on cash, 24% ROI. Now the ROI is lower than yours because of the high maintenance and the more conservative appreciation rate. So Adam, you wanna know what's wrong with my deal? Yeah, there's something wrong with your deal. Yeah, there's, you, you smell a rat, don't you? <laughs> well. The rat on the deal is, I did say I posted it on Facebook, 
but I posted it back on October 23rd of 2012. So there's so, the rub. The rub is it's unavailable. Yeah. So <laughs> it came up on my Facebook memories today, memories from seven years ago. And then there you go. So I almost didn't want to talk about this today because I you know, thought for surely it's going to discourage some people. But sometimes that discouragement should be a kick in the pants because the old saying, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and then wait. Only seven short years have passed. Sadly, I have lost quite a bit of hair since then. But, you know, mostly I'm feeling pretty much the same. And so are you. Hopefully you haven't lost any hair. I, I know I have. But, you know, seven years goes by in the blink of an eye. Okay. And one of our clients bought this property. I don't know which one. We should, we should figure that out and ask him to come on the show. Because, you know, in seven years from today, you're going to be thinking, ah, oh, gosh, I wish I would have purchased some of those properties in 2019. I just bet you you'll be saying that. Don't be uh, at Meet the Masters and listening to Jason's closing reluctant investors lament and thinking, yeah. oh, that was me seven years ago. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because that was written by Donald Wheel in 1977 when he thought everything was so overpriced. Income property is an amazing asset class. Just stock up on it and wait. Deal with the, the trials and tribulations. You're definitely going to have some. That's life in any endeavor, like I talked about yesterday. But, you know, you'll be amazed how quickly seven years goes by and how, how much that has enhanced your wealth. Imagine if you bought 10 of these properties seven years ago. It's so interesting, Adam, that I only got a few comments and a, a few likes on that, whatever I said. Uh, I think it was six six comments and five Not likes. nearly enough. Not nearly enough. Today, if I posted that property, in fact, I should do that. Boy, if it were April Fool's Day, I would definitely <laughs> do it. I, I should post it like it's a current deal. And I bet I'll get 78 likes, tons of comments, and tons of interest oh, yeah. wanting to buy that property. So don't be the shoulda, coulda, woulda person, okay? Yeah. You know, and we've talked about. we've talked internally recently about trying to get the investment counselors to tell us when a brand new investor purchases their first property and we're kind of getting in the process of getting that ball rolling but I want to throw a hearty congratulations on getting started on the investment journey out to one of my clients that is Romera she recently closed on her very first deal so she Romera yay! she is not waiting any longer awesome and so you know if you haven't Reach out to us, get an investment counselor, buy your first, and you'll hear your name on the podcast. Yeah, congratulations, Romero. That's awesome. Thank you for your business. And uh, we are here to offer you lifetime support. As long as we're around, we are happy to support you with your property. You know, if you need something three years from now, five years from now, seven years from now, whatever, just always reach out to us, which reminds me of another thing that I didn't directly say on yesterday's episode when I was ranting about, you know, how you got to be a little fierce sometimes, right? And, you know, fight the battles, fight the good fight, as the words from that Triumph song go. Don't just pay for things because someone presents you an invoice. You know, that came up because I was talking with Sarah about one of our clients, and she says, you know, this client called and they were discouraged about their property. And as she started talking to them about it, you know, they just paid a $2,000 invoice for something. And she says, you know, I just wish you would have called me first. I would have told you not to pay that. I would have cut that invoice way down. 
and that's the thing. You know, just because someone places an invoice or a quote for some service, repair, whatever in front of you, doesn't mean you have to agree to it, okay? <laughs> Shop around for everything, always, okay? That's life. All right, Adam, you want to get back, and we've got to look at the the adjusted numbers on this study. Now, in the interest of time, we looked at the numbers you did, the analysis relates to the next article, right? Yes, yes, it does. All the millennials. So this is a Business Insider article about the top 10 states where the wealthiest millennials live. Keep in mind that the prior article was about cities, not states. But you get the idea, okay? These things are broad strokes, okay? So so relax, okay? Don't agonize over too much detail. They're just broad, a broad look at things. And what's interesting about this is that several of our markets are in here where wealthy millennials live. Number 10 is Maryland, okay? Number nine is Illinois, and we've got properties in those markets. There are some others in here. Um, Texas, of course, we have. And we'll skip things like Massachusetts and some of the others, but we do have Florida on the list. So talk to us about the math that you did. Right. So first off, we need to start with the overall number, and that's total number of millennial millionaires. And right now, they are estimating that's about 618,000. Okay. So there's a lot of millennial millionaires, 618,000 who are, depending on how you look at the demographic cohort, uh, between the ages of like, I don't know, 23 and 40 now, right? About there? Somewhere in that range. Yeah, that sounds about right. So we got the top 10 states and they are, just to list them off, and this is from fewest percentage to highest percentage. You got Maryland, Illinois, Virginia, New Jersey, Washington, the state, not DC, Texas, Massachusetts, Florida, New York, and California. So they have them via percentages, and we thought, you know, that isn't quite fair. No, it's, it's you know, ridiculous. So here's California what they has a few yeah. more people than, say, yeah. Illinois it's or ab ab absolutely New Jersey. Misleading. Okay, so, so let's just explain what they did. So they took these different states, and they looked at what percentage of all the millennial millionaires, the 618,000, live in each of the states. They didn't take the percentage as a per capita of the state's population. So the Jason Hartman question is, compared to what, right? <laughs> and they're comparing it to an absolutely arbitrary thing. Okay, so if your whole sample is just the 618,000 millennial millionaires, then you want to know where most of them live? Okay, fine. But that doesn't tell you anything. You got to compare it to the 40 million people that live in California versus the much lower population of, say, Maryland or whatever. So yeah. that's that's what I asked you to do. And you just jumped in and did it. <laughs> and so now we've got a correct analysis, don't we? Yes. So the state that has the highest percentage of millennial millionaires is Massachusetts. They hmm. have... 0.45% of the state's population are millennial millionaires. And the okay. state in the top 10 that has the least is Texas, because out of the 29.2 million people in the state, only 0.11% are millennial millionaires. Okay, so if you just read this article on the face of it, you're going to think, well, all the millennial millionaires are in California, right? Well, they are, the number-wise. Number-wise, they are, percentage-wise. But, but it's a meaningless so number. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> like, who cares 
of the percentage of millennial millionaires, you have to compare it to the population of the state as a whole. That's the meaningful number. Yeah, and the yeah. article didn't address that at all. No, they didn't. And then I looked at, I said, okay, well, that's the percentage of millennial millionaires in each state. So, but then I thought, you know what? Even that doesn't yeah, really it, matter. It doesn't tell what, you. No. What is a million dollars? Right. So I went in it's and I found, um, state. it's like a cost of living adjustment website. And they don't list specific cities. So all I did is I went into each state and I looked at the cost of living adjustment to New York. Right. From So New York was my basis. So in New York, a million dollars is a million dollars. And then I found the largest city in each state and just adjusted it based on that. Okay. So basically what you did is you applied inflation-induced cost of living destruction, <laughs> yeah. okay, uh, to that number, which is the accurate thing to do. Because, hey, does anybody remember the famous Craigslist gold digger? We did a blog post about this at jasonhartman.com when it came out years ago because it was so funny. This was all over the news media. And basically, it was this beautiful, self-described woman in, in New York City that said she wanted to meet a guy that made at least $500,000 a year. And she rightly said, because, hey, $500,000 a year in New York isn't that much. Yeah. She, she was right. Okay. And so if you're a millennial millionaire in Texas versus New York, that's a huge difference in yeah. what it means. I mean, you really shouldn't even be considered a millionaire <laughs> in New York. Or you should be considered a decamillionaire in Texas, maybe, right? <laughs> Deca meaning 10, and it's probably not that much. But, yeah, it's not but, quite that much. Yeah, it's not, it's not that significant. But yeah. what you did in this adjustment is really enlightening. Yeah, so if you're a New York millionaire and you want to move to a city that has a lot of other millionaires, you can move to – and be rich. You can move to Baltimore, Maryland and have $2.125 in adjusted money. Yeah. So, so basically, you double your money by moving from New York to Baltimore. Yeah. And then you take Jacksonville, Florida, and you have $1.9 million. And we actually have properties in yeah. Jacksonville, Florida. So you double it again. Yeah. yeah. And then Houston is still $1.9 million, Houston, Texas. Yeah. Virginia Beach is one point, around $1.8 million. Yeah. Chicago is right around $1.75. New Jersey is $1.5 million. LA, you're at one and a third. Boston you're at 1.15 million and Seattle you're right around 1.1 million and then New York you're at 1 million. So yeah. there is a massive discrepancy. You know what's actually surprising to me on here is Seattle. Yeah. I'm, it I'm was, yeah. <laughs> I was a little surprised at that too, but yeah, they yeah. said it was uh, you know, every 92 cents in Seattle is a dollar in New York, which was That's actually really quite shocking. I would think LA would be right after New York on the expensive. No, LA is number 4. Yeah, you got it's Boston uh, in between them. Yeah, yeah. That's quite surprising. Maybe that massive minimum wage increase uh, several years ago in, in Seattle just caused the cost of living to go up and created a lot of inflation. So, you know, imagine that. But <laughs> very interesting. So, again, the article tells you the percentage of millennial millionaires compared to the overall number of millennial millionaires. Adam's analysis told you the percentage of millennial millionaires compared to the population of the state. And then after that, he did the analysis to adjust, are you really a millionaire there? Yeah. What does being a millionaire mean? Yeah. Again, it's the difference between nominal, meaning in name only, and real, 
meaning what does it really do for you? It's just a big difference. Yeah, in Baltimore and Maryland especially, that's number 10 on the list. That only has, you know, as they say, 2%. Now, as I mentioned before, it has a really higher rate of 0.2% of the total population. But it's the least percentage according to their list. But it's if you have a million dollars, you have over $2 million compared to New York. Right, so, I mean, right. it's these things, you know, if you look at what number they are in terms of how much money you really have versus the list, it's all over the place. I mean, it's bouncing around left and right. It is, it is. And, you know, it's interesting because with technology, you can move and vote with your feet much more easily. The place I would choose to live out of everything on that list is I would either choose to live in Jacksonville, Florida, because you have no state income taxes, or Houston, Texas, also no state income taxes, and invest in all the right places, right? (laughs) So I would argue that your quality of life in Jacksonville would be substantially better than your quality of life in New York, Seattle, Boston, Los Angeles, my hometown, Newark, Chicago, Virginia Beach, and Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) It beats all of those, if you ask me. (laughs) And if you look at where the millionaires, you know, we talked about workers leaving. And so if you look at, you know, if they're leaving New York and leaving LA, like we discussed earlier in the show, where are they going to go? Well, if you think millionaires like to be around millionaires let's say you know you end up dealing with people who are in roughly your same social wealth strata and you look at this top 10 list as hey where are they likely to go you can kind of judge based on that of if there are you know 30,000 millennials in Florida would they move there well if there's 30,000 millennials in Florida and you want to go hang out with them and then you realize when you move there your million dollars has turned into almost two million dollars yeah they're gonna they're gonna want to move there but, you know, if you're in New York, are they going to be moving to Seattle? Well, probably not because it'll still be their million dollars. So, I mean, you can kind of look at it based on that as well as, you know, where are they and how likely are they to continue moving there? Yeah, really, really good points. Good points. Very enlightening. I'm glad you did that analysis, Adam. Uh, I guess we fun. should. Yeah, the math <laughs> math was uh, very enlightening. It, it certainly was. And I guess we should wrap it up for today. If you want to grab a last-minute ticket to Profits in Paradise, we had uh, a couple people grab them yesterday. We'd love to see you. Come and join us, okay? We have room to knock out the back meeting tables in the room and, and add some some more seating. So let us know. Go to jasonhartmanlive.com and grab that last-minute ticket, jasonhartmanlive.com. This event is only once a year. We will see you in Orlando this weekend. We've got a property tour before that as well, and that'll be great. We're looking forward to it, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow we got a 10th show, right, Adam? Yes, we do, with Lawrence Suskind. All right, and so 10th episode show tomorrow, and then Flashback Friday, and then we will be back with our regular programming on Monday. Until tomorrow, happy investing. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go 
go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.